the man in the parable, I think, at a first read, is actually not that bad of a guy. And, and, and his situation could kind of resonate with us. So he's a rich man. This is the parable Jesus is telling. He's a rich man whose land produced a bountiful harvest. And he asked himself a fairly reasonable question. What should I do for I don't have any space to store my harvest? So this guy's just doing, the land is producing so much grain. It's overflowing. We might think of a corporation that's growing exponentially, doing very well, a little startup that maybe somebody started. This is what I shall do. I'm going to tear down my barns and build larger barns. There I shall store all my grain and other goods that I and shall say to myself and other goods and I shall say to myself, now as for you, you have many good things stored up for many years. So now, thinking retirement here, rest, eat, drink, be merry. And then there's a very rude awakening. The guy dies right at retirement. After he's put all this energy and all this time and this effort into building up this business, he dies just like that. It's over. And God says to him, you fool. This night your life will be demanded of you. And the things that you have prepared, to whom will they belong? Thus it will be for all who store up treasure for themselves, but are not rich in what matters to God. And so we see at the end, Jesus is pointing out a discrepancy in perspective and a difference in thesis. This guy has a thesis for his life that is different than the thesis that God wants him to follow for his life. Everybody's got to have a thesis statement, right? You learn that pretty early on in high school, I think, maybe even grade school. If you're writing paper, what, what's the point of the paper that you're writing right now? There should be one statement that says, this is why I'm doing the rest of this. Or else, it's going to be a bad paper. You're going to end up getting distracted. You're going to go on tangents. Your teacher's going to see right through it. Got to have a thesis statement. The Baltimore Catechism, the old, old catechism for my grandparents' generation would have grown up learning this catechism that had just a series of several questions. And those questions all had very kind of basic answers and they were very straight to the point questions. And the, one of the first questions, I think it might have been the first question in the Baltimore Catechism for kids was, why did God create you? What is the thesis point of your life? And you got to love the clarity there, right? What is the point of your life from five years old? You're reading this. Why did God create you? The answer that the catechism cited was to know, to love, and to serve God in this life 
and to be with him in friendship forever in the next life. That's God's perspective. That's the proper thesis point. Now this guy, at first glance, to me at least, is kind of like a Pontius Pilate. It's like with Pontius Pilate, you want want to have these really stark positions between good and bad, right? Like you might get in a Disney movie, like The Lion King, you got Scar, and then you have, um, can't remember the, the good lion's name, Simba. Thank you, somebody said it out. Simba, that, that didn't take long. Okay, and then you have Simba, right? You got good, you got bad. Pontius Pilate is kind of a, a relatable character, right? He just stays out of it. But he allows God, under his authority, to be killed. He allows the innocent man to be killed. Likewise, the character in our parable, the fool in our parable, forfeits his salvation, probably, because he puts all this energy into the wrong thing. Is he a a great villain? No, he just becomes indifferent over time. And we kind of see certain markers in the parable that that point this out to us. He starts to orient his attention improperly, and by the end of his life, he's completely wasted his life. This is a very realistic character, because this is really how it happens in real life for all of us. We don't tend to make very, like, good or very evil choices that are so black and white, we tend to make small compromises over time. And eventually, this isolates us. It isolates us from God, and it isolates us from others. And we start to build our own little universe that's comfortable. The problem with that universe is it's not stable. And the problem with that universe is it's fantasy. It's not reality. And reality hits this man as reality will hit all of us as we create these comfortable little lives for ourselves. The man is already rich at the very beginning of the parable. And notice the words that Jesus uses. There was a rich man, he's already rich, whose land produced a bountiful harvest. That's an issue right from the get-go. The man himself is not even producing this. Out of the goodness of God is this man's land doing very well. And so he asks himself, what should I do? I don't have space to store my harvest. And so we see these, these, these movements. What is his movement of heart to do with the extra grain? He's doing very well. He's already rich. It's to store more for himself so as to eat, drink, and be merry in this life. We're not made for this world. We're not made for this world. We're made for something more than this world. That's why there's an ache and an irritation in all of us that is not satisfied even when we're on the tropical little island with our, with our margaritas or whatever and the kids are, are doing well our marriage is going well. There's still more that we want. That longing is an eternal longing. 
We're not made for this world. It's not to say that we're not in the world, that we shouldn't certainly enjoy the world in many aspects and the goodness that God has given us, but we're not made for this world. And so we're not called to build our house on things that will break down. We don't build our house on sand like Jesus says. If our thesis under everything we do that undergirds everything is not what that Baltimore Catechism said, to know, to love, to serve God in this life and to be with him in friendship in the next, if, if that's not the foundation of our lives and everything is not built on that, that is to say, if our, the point of us having jobs, providing for our family, and then you could just keep going and build the layers on top of that, if all of that is not built on that, that foundation, then we are fools. Because everything else, our health, the economy, there's a war in Ukraine right now, there's nuclear possibilities at all times, we just had a, a worldwide virus, and we see things are not, nothing is stable but God. And to put all of our hope into this world is a fool's, it's a fool's errand. We don't want to gain everything and then just forfeit our salvation. And Jesus, beautifully, the last thing I'll say about this, very beautifully, Jesus is actually always, even when he is harsh, he is being gentle. He's always out of love addressing those uh, that come to him, even with kind of bad questions, bad things to say, like this, this guy. It's not, it's not the best statement. Last week we had somebody ask Jesus how to pray. That's a good question. The week before we had a lawyer ask, what's the greatest commandment? That's a good question. This guy says, tell my brother to give me money. It's probably not the best thing to ask the Son of God, right? But Jesus, once again, is very gentle. This is what Jesus says. The guy says, teacher, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. Jesus responds, friend, who appointed me as your judge and arbiter? Ironically, Jesus is his friend and Jesus is his judge and arbiter. And ironically, Jesus actually does answer the question. He answers the question that this guy has about receiving an inheritance by leading him and directing him to see his life through the lens of eternal inheritance as his brother. Jesus, his brother, leads him to a deeper understanding of this question. Jesus, we ask you to help us to properly orient our attention and our affections towards that which actually matters and not towards things that pass. Help us to not put all of our energies and all of our talents and all the gifts that you've given us into things that just don't matter. Help us to invest in things that matter, to use our skills to help our families and our spouses, to help our spouses and our children get to heaven first and foremost, and to be concerned with our eternal salvation rather than building an earthly paradise here. Give us this, this realization of reality as it actually is and help us to not get caught up in little fantasy worlds that we 
tend to want to create for ourselves. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.